Thanksgiving, I came out to my family. I stood up in the living room and I was like, family, I love you. <laughs> and I just want you to know that I am queer and non-binary and bisexual. And they were like, that's nice. Can you move? You're blocking the game. <laughs> watching television, watching television. Hello, 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 and welcome to another very special episode of A Very Special Episode, a podcast where I get to curl up on the sofa and watch TV with some of my favourite people. This week, I'll be talking to Amy Mason about an episode of my so-called life called Resolutions, uh, which, uh, as I said last week, it was really tricky to find this episode online. So I ended up having to uh, watch it on Daily Motion. I wouldn't usually do that, but uh, watch it on Daily Motion in a sort of weird back-to-front, slowed-down music presentation, which I'm sure, uh, you know, it's like watching an experimental art video. Um, but you can, and I have, you can buy the, the My So-Called Life DVD set um, reasonably easy online, although it's not... Um, I did have to buy it from eBay. <laughs> um, so, good luck finding that. But I'm sure quite a lot of people will already have seen it. As usual, I'm using this first part of the episode to talk about some of the stuff I've been watching recently uh, and make some recommendations. And because we're watching My So-Called Life, which features, as we talk about in the episode, the very first representation of an LGBT or a gay teenager on American network TV. I thought I would talk about uh, Heartstopper, which has just gone on Netflix uh, this weekend. I am a huge fan of the Heartstopper uh, graphic novels and a huge fan of Alice Osman, who uh, writes Heartstopper. And I've been really, really, really impressed by this adaptation. I just think it's really nice that LGBT teenagers and kids particularly will have something like this to watch, uh, something that just just would not have seemed possible when I was uh, younger. So yes, that's my little recommendation for this week, uh, and I'm sure at some point in the future we will do a Heartstopper very special episode. episode. Without further ado, uh, as I say every week and never know how to pronounce it, uh, let's get on with the episode. Here is Amy Mason. My very special guest this week is Amy Mason. Amy is an award-winning playwright and performer currently living in Bristol. Her autobiographical show, The Islanders, which she wrote and performed in, was staged at Bristol Old Vic and was lauded as a must-see show in the stage. Amy also writes for television and her writing puts outsider women at the centre of her stories, primarily for broad YA audiences. Amy is also an award-winning novelist and stand-up comedian. Hello, Amy. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on uh, a very special episode to chat with I always say to chat with us as if like there's other people in the background. <laughs> it's just me in my kitchen. You are legion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll kind of, I'll kick us off by talking about your TV tastes and then we'll talk about your very special episode, which I'm very mm -hmm. excited to talk about. But if we start off by talking about what sort of stuff you watched when you were younger. Yeah. So when I was younger, I, I think I really struggled. I think, you know, I'm, 
39. Mm -hmm. So sort of the stuff, I mean, I'm going to talk about my so-called life, spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) But I think, I think that is such a, such a massive part of that sort of my TV taste now, really. Mm. And stuff that I write um, was kind of inspired by that. And it was kind of the first thing, you know, I sort of grew up watching, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and stuff like that on TV. Mm. Stuff that didn't really resonate at all and was quite broad comedy. Mm. Um, And it didn't really feel personal to me at all. So my so-called life was like, you know, it started when I was, I think I was 12, 13 years old. Mm. was, yeah, a real game changer, really. Yeah, I I think it is. We'll probably talk about this a bit later as well, but I think it is a game changer for a lot of people. And I think I realised, I kind of realised watching it that I'd never seen it before um, and I sort of confuse it with Party of Five, which oh, yeah. I think would have been the same. I think I'm just confusing things that were on in the 90s and everybody wore sort of plaid, yeah. plaid jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, Party of Five to me uh, come, is another one that comes from the same kind of sort of sentimental you know it might be pushed at the boundaries slightly but mm. it you know it's very much from that kind of wonder years yes sentimental classic american wholesome really um thing you know somebody might be an alcoholic but then they'd reform you know <laughs> or you know or you know that you know it's like there might be an issue but it's always it's always sort of tied up yeah and just that real schmaltzy stuff that we you know we knew american tv to be yeah when we were kids definitely what sort of stuff do you like watching now i mean I think I mean recently I've really liked Work in Progress. Have you did you have you watched I that? haven't yet and people keep recommending this to me. Yeah, tell tell us about Work in Progress. Work in Progress is just I think again I'm gonna go back to uh, my so-called life, but I think in the same way as my so-called life it's doing some really new things, not new you know new to tv yes but in really unexpected ways so they have a um it's very dark comedy, mm-hmm. like really dark comedy which I enjoy. It's about a queer woman she uh butch sort of lesbian woman mm-hmm. she's in her i think she's in her late 40s early 50s you know she identifies as a dyke she calls herself a butch dyke <laughs> she has sort of her lesbian but sort of best friend sort of femme best friend and they're very you know she's very depressed in it and you know suicidally depressed and uh which is treated you know with sort of extremely dark humor mm. and then she meets a trans guy a young trans guy and they start a relationship okay and he's like a lot younger than her like 30 years younger than her but what they do so well is like they so sort of immediately get into these kind of you know issues about like identity and representation and gender Hmm. um in a really kind of like natural way yeah and I really like the way that they they sort of they just ignore some of the stuff that you think oh god they're gonna get get into you know endless talk about yeah about gender identity really mm. but they kind of they kind of don't what's really nice is abby the main character kind of just ex, you know accepts this trans guy and sort of like it's sort of on a mission to understand more but they don't get into this endless bogged down with this kind of endless discussion about like whether she would have you know been identified as non-binary mm. or like you know yeah it's it's like really clever and yeah really refreshing I really really like it yeah yeah I tend to get I it's definitely on my list and I tend to go for kind of stuff that is in that space is that like your go-to genre like I don't know just stuff that is about people yeah I mean I kind of like I mean I'm queer so like queer stuff with queer people women uh sort of dark comedy I mean 
you know, things have changed a bit. I mean, I was always very, like, into kind of quite dark stuff, quite meaty stories and stuff. I think since the pandemic, we've all become a bit like, oh, God, we just sort of want fluff. I mean, I do yeah. a bit, yeah. um, which is really unlike, <laughs> unlike, unlike what I would usually want, you know, hmm. usually want. But I've really enjoyed, like, you and I have seen both tweeted about um, and just like that, that, you know, new sex in the city. Yes, brilliant. <laughs> and I was just like, I love it. And it's like, I would never have really even cared about it before. I don't think the um, pandemic. And then, yeah. I think there is something about that show. Because I see so many people tweeting about it and like laughing yeah. at it and slagging it off. Yeah. I genuinely like it. I look forward to it yeah. coming on. I'm having a fantastic time watching it. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I identify with it yeah. so much. I never identified with like the old sex in the city because it was like their lives were so unbelievably different to mine. And, it, you know, and now they're all fucking old and insane. <laughs> 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 oh, I can get on board with them. Um... <laughs> it just takes, I think as well, like it just is not following the format of a dra- like yeah. a comedy drama like that should follow. Um... Like, like Carrie's husband has died and then last episode we spent like a good 30 minutes with her like because she couldn't get the beep to stop on her dishwasher like it's like these are like bizarre it's so strange but I love it I love it yeah (laughs) (laughs) it is it's one of those things where yeah the writing is baffling (laughs) and it does make me think I can't believe that I'm not getting paid to be a writer in Hollywood (laughs) (laughs) yes well yes (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah um something has gone wrong somewhere but, um, one thing i couldn't actually watch because i thought it was so bad and you know and it really should appeal to me on paper definitely was the new l word oh um, yes i've still not gone there yet the generation q yeah uh, it's uh, to me it was so bad <laughs> <laughs> like not even in a fun like i just it was like yeah it was really really bad mm. but yeah yeah, I mean, I quite enjoyed, I quite, you know, because they did have an opportunity. The original one was famously bad, but they did have an opportunity to make it not bad anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but they admire their commitment to sticking with terrible. Oh, I think my my kind of take that I've got on it so far from people is that, that it's quite boring and almost yeah. apologetic for how insane the L word was. Because yeah. I because I love how I love the L word as like a bonkers <laughs> sort of lesbian soap yeah. opera. And and yeah, I, I'm not necessarily sure that I want something that's sort of clutching its pearls a bit and being apologetic. Like I want something that will just come out and yeah, do all those. Yeah. It's interesting because they did that in um and just like that as well, didn't they? Mm. They had to devote so much time to apologizing for yeah. all the stuff stuff they didn't do in the past it's very um it's it feels very clunky that all of the new all of the new pals are women of color and a lot Mm. of the storylines revolve around how uncomfortable the original cast are with some of this stuff and it yeah and certainly the stuff with miranda didn't feel like it rang true like she, yeah. she had a whole thing about how the how her law professor had braids and like yeah kept kind of fucking things up and I just was like I, a I don't think Miranda would actually care or notice about like something like that and b I don't think it, she's smart like she would know about these conversations because yeah, she's not she a fucking would. idiot <laughs> we would it would have been much better if somebody in the class had done that mm. and that she maybe fucked up 
sorting it out. Yeah. Maybe she'd assumed. But like, also the idea that that professor would then want to be friends with her. It's fucking <laughs> so ridiculous. Yes. I know all, all these actresses that have got raped in, so like playing all these friends, I was like, I bet, I really fucking hope they're getting paid a lot of money. Oh, I, I... Cause it's like, <laughs> it's like, I mean, I'm sure they are, but like, <laughs> Jesus, it's like, you know. As somebody who does stand up, what did you make of Shay's stand up set? It was um awful, <laughs> but <laughs> I did like the way they kept calling it a comedy concert. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Like multiple times, you're gonna go to the comedy concert. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, um, it was like, but that's so often the way. And like stand up in TV and film is so often bad. It's like they pencil in mm. stand up sat here. You know, I'm thinking, oh, we'll get get around to writing that at some point. And then, by, and then it's like the day before filming, and they're like, oh shit, we forgot to write the stand up set. That's why. <laughs> yes. yes, we've got to write a single joke in any of yes. this. And um, have you seen Annette? Um, no, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, it's that um, new. Oh, I really hated it. It's that new Adam Driver, <laughs> Adam Driver film. But like, you know, he's a stand up, and in that they make they make him like an anti comic, which is a sneaky a sneaky move because then he can just not be funny. That's the whole thing. Oh, he's just wow. like mental on stage. Um, yeah, but it's a very interesting thing. I mean, I did like I wrote in, in my novel. I wrote she was a playwright in my novel, mm. the mum, and it was a similar kind of thing. It's like I had to write play a play that was meant to be very good <laughs> <laughs> by this woman and include extracts of it. And it was a, for quite a long time that it was really bad. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's something about that. I think something like writing a genre in a you know yeah yeah, yeah tough but. I mean, they should be able to do it, the rights of Sex and the City, or they could have employed a stand-up to write it. But... I mean, yeah, for, for the, like, five-minute set. Yeah. <laughs> what's your... Oh, now I just want to talk about reboots and stuff. Like <laughs> um, what's your comfort watch? Like, what's the show or the shows that you, you find yourself going back to? I recently, and this is really out of... This is, again, This I think this really reflects the pandemic, is I recently really enjoyed Statlet's Flats. <laughs> And normally that like wouldn't, ah. you know, it's like by a straight man, um, <laughs> which is, you know, <laughs> never something that I would normally watch. But I just think it's just very sweet and easy yes. to watch and just like doesn't mean anything, <laughs> um, which I've quite enjoyed. <laughs> I think I found that a lot of people are going to comedy just now like I mean that makes sense but during the pandemic I find myself oh. going to like horror stuff quite a lot I don't know oh, I've watched Yellow Jackets recently which I've really enjoyed <laughs> oh my gosh yes yes Yellow Jackets did put me in mind like I, th- I think watching mm-hmm. My So-Called Life and all that 90s stuff mm-hmm. I was thinking about Yellow yeah. Jackets during it like yeah. yeah I liked that show a lot I guess I guess you maybe answered this already but what's something that you watch a lot of that's outside of your wheelhouse, like something people wouldn't expect you to watch? Um, oh, that's interesting. I think with my ex-husband, I ended up watching quite a lot of stuff that he liked that I would never have watched. Like, I'll watch Lost. Hmm. <laughs> and I'll watch, I got a thing called, I called Lost Knee. <laughs> I just look at it with my kneecap. I just sitting on the sofa watching Lost for so long. <laughs> Um, and um yeah and I watched like The Walking Dead and stuff with him which I never would have I never would have watched that but yeah I guess stuff that's that is probably a thing that I'm I'm sort of very suspicious of anything made by straight men (laughs) um in general 
But um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was nice to just watch something. And I, and I, I, I guess I hope that we get to a point where people who are not straight men are allowed to make stuff that is meaningless mm. <laughs> and just a laugh, you know, and does, yeah, it yes. doesn't have to like involve yes. their trauma, you know? Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> I mean, I think that's so much of what I like about, and I, I think I have to like edge out of the discourse quite a lot, but it's so much yeah. of what I like about Drag Race because it's just queer people doing yeah. really stupid things like yeah. and being like <laughs> fabu. And I think so often people like want it to be having like, you know, to always be doing mm. some sort of political commentary. And I'm like, I don't know. I just want to see some <laughs> big old man in a dress <laughs> Doing, yeah. doing something funny. <laughs> What's an iconic TV moment that you find yourself going back to? An iconic TV moment? Well, I immediately thought of Judy mm. Finnegan's tits coming out of that dress. <laughs> 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 um, I love that. Oh, I wow. love Judy Finnegan's tits exploding because that award ceremony always makes me love thinking about that. My favourite thing that I watch when I'm drunk is Aretha Franklin at the Carol King... Kennedy Center's honors. Is this the one with Celine? Oh my god, it's like the best thing ever. It is when she literally, Aretha Franklin, it's not long before she died. She she comes out and she's got her fur on, obviously. I my long term vegetarian cannot resent, cannot I think Aretha should only have ever worn fur. <laughs> Those animals would have been proud to have died for that coat. <laughs> and then <laughs> she comes out. And she sits at the piano and she plays it. And Carol King's absolutely losing her shit in the audience, going, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, like nearly crying, like, so happy. And she starts <laughs> singing. And then she stands up, Aretha, throws her fur on the floor. And she's a big woman, you know, absolutely with her tits down to her knees. Mm. Does not give a shit in her, like, sparkly dress. Just, and just holds out her arms like, I'm amazing. <laughs> and everyone, Obama cries. That is my moment yeah that's my favorite. oh wow so that's not from a tv show but that is very much my like i've always been a pr- partial to those kind of moments like i've always we me and my friend used to call them transformation of films you know the moment where like somebody comes out and is transformed mm. you know the girl with specs becomes um you know the i don't know the like prom queen or whatever i, I yeah. enjoy a, a triumph basically yeah. <laughs> i like yeah. i like a makeover montage i like the the make i like to see what goes into the yeah. How, how the sausage gets made. Yeah. <laughs> what are you watching right now? Well, right now I'm watching Yellow Jackets, um, mm-hmm. which I'm really enjoying, and just like that, which I'm watching as they come out, <laughs> which I'm really, yeah, it's good. Um, I've been listening to, I just finished listening to Sweet Bobby. Yes, I just finished listening to that. That is a, yeah, it was a wild ride. It was a wild ride. It was a wild ride. <laughs> well, I, I, I like the way it was made. I like the journalist and I like the fact that the woman was given so much space and, and yes. treated like it, it didn't feel exploitative. It felt like no, definitely. And it, I think, like I think they do a decent job. I know some people are still kind of asking the question. I think they do a decent job of kind of making it clear how she could get so involved mm-hmm. with that or so invested in it. I guess because I think when you kind of hear that off the bat, you're like, well, well, how did mm. she? Like, how did you not know? But uh, yeah, I think they do a good job of of putting that all together, and it is yeah, just bonkers mm. and a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Fun. I feel like that'll probably get made into a TV series yeah, at some I'm point. Sure like, yeah. 
I'm sure I will. <laughs> Probably time to talk about your very special episode. So why don't you, you've already told us what yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> What it's from. No, no, it's good. I always do this thing where I like, it's like, it's like a, a big secret what the special episode is, but it's the title of the podcast, like uh, when I put them up. So I don't know. <laughs> People already know what they're, they're signing yeah. up for, I guess. What's your relationship with My So-Called Life? So My So-Called Life was completely defining for me like it came out at so I was like Mm. 12 13 so I was sort of heading into teenagehood you know had just started listening to like I think Bjork Mm. was had just been on top of the pops doing Venus as a boy I sort of had had sort of started to sort of see outside of like pop you know mainstream Mm. pop culture and sort of see a space for myself as a bit of a, a bit of a weirdo really and then and then my so-called life came out and it was like everything that I could ever want to be in a tv show like she was this girl I completely identified with I kind of wanted to be her but also I sort of felt like I was her in the way that she was like this awkward girl she dyes her hair red like I think in the first episode <laughs> um and her mom's really annoyed with her she gets spots there's a whole episode called the zit she has these sort of old friends, Sharon, who, you know, she's grown up with, who she's kind of abandoning for this, like, wild child called Rayanne. She's got a queer, um, gay best friend called Ricky, who the episode that we're going to talk about uh, is about. But we loved, uh, me and my friends, as soon as it came on, we were like, oh, my God, have you seen this show? And my friend Abby and I actually just formed an all-girl punk band oh, wow. called Lady Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> And um, we wrote a song about Angela. Oh, wow. Uh, who was the main girl in uh, So Called Life. And very un, uh, in a very unfeminist, it was the 90s. <laughs> Feminism didn't exist in the 90s. Wait, we were like appalled that she didn't sleep with Jordan Catalano. Because <laughs> we were like, he's so fit, are you mental? Um, so we wrote a song that went, Angela, Angela, you're a fool, Angela. <laughs> Angela, you're a fool. Yeah, and we wrote a whole song. I can't remember all of the verses. But, but a very catchy chorus, a very catchy <laughs> We love that. And um, we had, like, there was a girl in sixth form who we both loved, like, not in a sexual way. I don't think we just loved, we, like, crushed on her majorly. who had red hair and we called her Angela Girl. <laughs> and, yeah, we just absolutely loved her and loved the show and... You know, we went to an all-girls school, mm. state all-girls school, I'd like to say. <laughs> so the idea of having, I mean, lesbians in our mind at that time, I would like to say this, I'm able to say this now as a bisexual, lesbian-oriented, largely woman, but like lesbians at our school were seen as disgusting. Oh, wow. But, you know, people always called us lesbians, That's everyone who went to that school because it was an all-girls school. And it was like, but we did really like the idea of having a gay best friend was like, oh my God, oh, wow. imagine. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it I think it had almost kind of swung the other way when I was or it did almost swing the other way when I was in school because I think like gay men were just yeah I think there wasn't really a cool gay man in in pop culture at that that moment Ooh. in time that like someone in high school would know of whereas le- they, I think lesbians had a bit of glamour about them <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I guess it was the era of the lipstick lesbian and the kind of yeah the, the male gaze do we need any context for this episode before we 
Yeah. So the things, so this episode that I've chosen, I've chosen a slightly more downbeat episode. Mm -hmm. I mean, the show is really fun and sort of there's a lot of moments of joy and it's just very funny. It's really well written. Like the characters are really well observed and like exceptionally well observed. It doesn't feel, I wonder if it's before there was sort of a certain formulaic like nature for like a lot of American teen, you know, comedy. It's much, it's sort of much slower in some ways and there's a lot more, it feels like a play quite often. Like it's a lot more, you know, experimental in some ways. But so we've been introduced to the character Ricky Vasquez, who is Angela's one of Angela's best friends. And we're introduced to him at the beginning immediately, which is another thing I like about the show. We're introduced to him as bisexual mm-hmm. immediately. And it would have been very easy for you to have, you know, because this is the first representation. He, he later comes out as gay. Mm. This would be the first represent. So this is the first uh, representation of an America of a gay kid mm. on American TV, yeah. uh, like ever. Um, and it would have been so easy to make this into a closeted kid, you know, yeah. um, who like comes out like later in the series and do that whole cliche thing. I think a really interesting decision was to have him immediately looking like Ricky, you know, yes. immediately wearing eyeliner, out as bisexual. I think that was a really interesting and good and true decision to have him as a character, you know, rather than doing the kind of obvious thing. Yes. So he he's lived with his uncle who's abusive and then is kind of made homeless. He's bullied, obviously, but he's best friends with, like, Angela and Rayanne. Rayanne's a wild child. And... Um... He's fab. Obviously, <laughs> and... she was my favourite. I'll just say that. She was also one of my favourites. One of the only things that does not ring true for a British audience is that Rayanne gets drunk one night and I think she ends up in a hospital and gets her stomach pumped or something. I mean, who? Oh, wow. And and then she, I think she is sent to rehab and immediately has to go to AA and is like then in like recovery because of this one night. Oh my gosh, um, wow. At school, which is, you know, for an English audience, English Scottish audience, it's like, yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> every <yeah>. week. <laughs> Sometimes during the week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really keep turning up. Good, well, clever, you know, clever academic girls turning up with bottles of fucking Ezo. <laughs> <laughs> So that's one bit you're like, no. But yeah, so for this episode, um, he has already been kicked out of home and moved in with Angela. So Ricky has moved in with Angela's parents. Angela's parents have taken him in and he is sort of really overcompensating for living there because he feels really awkward mm. about it and like doing all these cleaning and stuff, which is really heartbreaking. Yeah, so that's it really. He's living with his best friend's parents. Yeah, because when I when I initially watched it, I have to say I've never, this is terrible, but I've never seen my so-called life. And I feel like it mm-hmm. is so, like, so influential on so many things that I like and I can kind of see mm-hmm. it now. And mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I've ordered the DVD. I'm going to watch it. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And this episode, in some ways, like when I watched it, I was like, it seems a bit more theatre for schoolsy kind of, mm. you know, than some of them. But I think for me, I'd always remembered what happens in this episode, which is what happens is so I think what we see, basically, we see an episode that completely centers a queer character. Mm. And this was on, I think it was 8 p.m. in the US. It was like competing with like friends, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is part of the reason it eventually got cancelled. But they made a decision and to put a queer character at the center 
of it and sort of a gender non-conforming you know queer character and completely see it from from his perspective mm. and devote a whole episode to that not the you know not the b plot c plot you know and not, he's not the only uh, very crucially which is what makes this a very special episode is not only did they make the decision to have this queer character you know right at the center of this show they then had queer teachers so what is the joy of this episode for me is that this is you know i was living under section 28 mm. it took me such a long time to come out because i didn't see any queer representation at my school or on tv or you know in life mm. and then i saw that you know you see this show and it is so cute and lovely. So in it, Ricky's English teacher, who calls him Enrique, won't call him Ricky, <laughs> and makes him join the drama club. You know, as adults, you can see, okay, of course, this character's uh, coded as queer. But I, you know, as a kid, I didn't realise that at all. Mm. And then in this episode, Ricky sign up kind of in desperation. He kind of realises, feels unwelcome at Angela's, sort of, sort of makes himself homeless again. Is trying desperately to get into the shelter. The English teacher's trying to help him. And he eventually sort of calls the English teacher, and at that point, phone call you know, calls him at his home. Mm. And at that point, we see that the English teacher lives with his part male partner. Gas, um, gas. <laughs> which you know, this is like 1995. This is like it major. Yeah, you know, really major. It is, and I think sometimes people can't appreciate that. That's kind of where we were at. This, it does feel. Like, I think there's a lot in this that feels kind of groundbreaking now. And I think some of that comes from, like you said, that slowness of it. Like, it doesn't feel sensational. It's dramatic, but it doesn't feel sensational. It feels, mm. like, sort of grounded and real. But I, I, I don't know if people will appreciate, like, sort of the youths of today will appreciate how, no. like you wouldn't have seen this at the time no not at all I mean you know it was a time when we could you sort of we knew our I knew my form teacher was homophobic Mm. and so we would like tease him by like saying like showing him pictures of like (laughs) 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 like like, what do you think about this celebrities game and he'd be like and he'd get all red in the face he'd go I'm not allowed to talk you know I'm not allowed to talk to you about that because of you know Mm. because of section 28 basically and it was like, you know, we were very aware that we were, you know, in a culture where being gay, being queer was seen as obscene, mm. like obscene, just being, just existing as a queer person was seen as so obscene that your school could not even mention the existence really of queer people. So, yeah, it was it's um, it was really, really groundbreaking. And I think what the show this show did so well is that if you watch it at different ages, you can see you see different things like. In this episode, I always just really fancied John Catalano and we loved him. Yes. <laughs> Very much in the way that Angela does is that, again, quite a progressive in that she's really smart and he is just really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and she just really fancies him, even though he is a bit of a doofus. Mm. But I, we didn't, me and my friends, I don't think we ever realised that he's meant to be a bit of a dumbo. This isn't very... Um, progressive language I'm using here but <laughs> in this episode you see at the beginning you know when it's called resolutions episode and you see him go oh is it new year they're all making their like resolutions and he goes, <laughs> looks out the looks out the bubble and goes oh my god is it new year and he hasn't even realized it's only as an adult watching it that I sort of thought oh he's meant to be really stupid <laughs> like or like just bimbo yeah like yeah, yeah. 
The original himbo, I think. The yeah, himbo, yeah. And I hadn't got that at all when I watched it mm. the first time. I just thought he was this cool guy in a band. And even the names of his band are perfect. His band's called the Frozen Embryos. <laughs> and, and then they changed their name to Residue. And like, and like it's just so well observed, you know? Um, and like, so funny. I could totally like, because I think, I guess because I'm watching it now, like first time as an adult, like I could relate to... Angela like sometimes you just want an uncomplicated boy like that's that's yeah. that's often my weakness <laughs> <laughs> just someone proper not very clever yeah. someone who doesn't have all of this stuff racing through their brain no no he really doesn't <laughs> and I'm I think yeah I think what you did, as you watch it as an adult what they did really well is like everyone is a character mm. everyone has a well-realized character no one is one-dimensional and like like all the adults have personalities and characters like her parents have like stories and partly apparently that was to do with uh Claire Danes's age that um she was so young when she got the part they had to write more part more for the adults oh. because her working like the laws around her working that's interesting yeah so yeah so the parents have like storylines and then mr kaminsky i think his name the english teacher in this episode you see his conflict you know he's the one trying to help ricky find somewhere to stay you know and he doesn't want to get too involved mm. but i like the fact that he's not an, he's not perfect he actually initially says no you know ricky, he's trying to help but he says ricky can't stay with him initially and, one of the things yeah. that i really love though with that is that they I think they dance around it for so long, like why mm. he doesn't really mm. want to get involved and why Ricky can't stay with them. But then they just outright say it, like him and the yeah. his partner have a conversation that's like, do you know what people will say if they find out yeah. about this? And I, I think that is that is kind of where we were at at that time. Mm. I mean, that's what Section 28 is, a lot of it. Like, mm. I don't know. So... Yeah, I thought that stuff was really lovely. Um, I, d- I did have a kind of question mark over this whole plot line with the whole storyline with the dad and like the mum thinks he's having an affair, but he's tried to open a restaurant. Just felt very sort of peculiar in this teen yeah. show, but I I, I didn't not like it as well. It was it, it was unusual. It was, and I think partly that did come out. I think some of this stuff about the parents. Stuff. I think one thing that you have to remember again about this slot this would have been mm. in was that it was a slot where I would often watch TV with my mum. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, obviously, we had fewer channels, so like <laughs> we would sit and watch a program together. You know, mm. so like it, it was teen oriented, but it, then it had like stuff that my mum could enjoy. Yes, but yeah, no, it is a bit of a sort of sidestep, kind of long winded. Thing. yeah that whole bit what's the stuff that you like about this episode I think for me I think for me it's quite personal because I actually kind of got chucked out of home when I was 16 oh wow and so I was kind of basically homeless not on the street but like sofa surfing mm. and then ended up living with my friend's mother again in a in a quite a similar way to this in a way that like she didn't really want me there, mm. but I like we were sitting in my friend, another friend's living room, and we were literally just brainstorming. <laughs> we were like, "Who do we know that you could live with?" And we like, 
so I was probably 16, 17 at the time. I'd lived for a while with a boy, a guy in a bed, really horrible bed set. And then we sat and we just brainstormed, like, who could you live with? Mm. And we remembered that my friend Sarah's mum had recently gone through a divorce <laughs> and her parents... Yeah, no, it must have been when they started university. So we must have been approaching 18 and I at this point. And I, I think, yeah, because I lived with Eddie for a while in the bed set. And then I basically just phoned her. I just phoned her mum and said, would you let me live with you? This woman, because I knew she had a big house. And she, being a nice woman, was like, let me think about it. And then, like, immediately called me back and was like, yeah, okay, you can. And so I went and lived with her and I worked at, like, a really crap shop that was like a catalogue shop. This is another <laughs> thing. I'm not going to know what this is, the youth. It, like, you, where things got returned to catalogues because they had, like, fucking... I don't know, broken zip or they somebody got a blood stain on it. Mm. <laughs> like they like um return it to the catalogue and then they these these shops would buy the stuff in bulk and sell it, like oh, wow. all the less and sweatshirts and stuff. So it's really yeah, I mean it was like super working class area that I was working in, mm. like super working class like people I work with. I've paid like four sixty an hour, I remember. Um, so I worked there and then I used to walk back to this woman's house and bless her, she charged me less rent than her son. Oh wow. <laughs> she did it on a means tested basis. <laughs> he was he was joining the Navy and he was so annoyed about the whole thing. <laughs> um so yeah, I lived with her. So it felt very personal. So I think for me, like knowing the importance of like somewhere to sleep that feels safe and that you're wanted and that you're not gonna have to move on really quickly yeah felt very felt very relatable really it, it, um, I think a lot of this stuff in this episode feels very real as well like I, I that's one of the things that I liked about it like my background I worked as an LGBT youth worker for like 10 years and this is how people go through homelessness and this is like a really like still kind of a really common thing like you know queer young people getting chucked out and stuff like and the fact that he lives with a friend for a while and then he he's kind of sofa surfing and then he's going to try and get help feels very real and then the fact that he goes to get help and they say they'll put him in this nicely named pride house yeah. <laughs> um, um but th- there's a like a waiting list for it because there would be <laughs> and it just feels yeah. yeah it just feels like it exists in a real world yeah it does exist in a real world and i think also like another thing again that's like really well observed and thought through is like him being with angela's parents how they go oh we wish we could adopt him because he's doing so much cleaning mm. you know and like and that's really and they don't think it through that he's so anxious to be there and so uncomfortable and anxious and feeling like he has to pay his way it's like horrible you can feel his you know yes like he doesn't feel home at all he can't be like a normal kid yes and in an episode before this one he'd actually Angela's parents I think had had said he couldn't stay in a in an episode before and then they'd found him basically in the street and had let him stay so they it's not they're not perfect Mm. at all you know and so he doesn't feel comfortable there no I just yeah like that stuff really rang true I I, when I when I when it first started because I didn't really have the context for that I I thought all of the cleaning and the like being a nice boy was 
coded gay stuff and i was like oh this is a bit weird <laughs> not sure but then it makes it becomes clear very quickly that that, that this is about him sort of trying to pay his way and ugh, it's just really clever and really nice like really nice stuff i have to say as well that that opening scene with him doing all the cleaning oh not the opening scene but the scene where he's doing all the cleaning and, and they're sort of running around getting ready for school and stuff like that in the morning has my two standout fashion moments from this episode where he's he's dressed in like those massive sort of 90s pants that everybody wore and a gray sweatshirt with a waistcoat over the top of it (laughs) they loved a waistcoat they loved a waistcoat (laughs) and then the mum is wearing a an amazing sort of power businesswoman suit and has yeah just beautiful it just I loved it I loved it yeah that's really good yeah I think another thing that happens later on in the in the season which is another really nice thing and I think might have led if the if the show hadn't been cancelled to Ricky actually getting a boyfriend Mm. is they have another really brilliant character joins I think it's called Corey Cody and he is um again just super amazing 90s character this like art school kind of backwards oh what's it called like a beret he wears like a beret <laughs> and he draws on people's trainers oh, that's his thing beautiful. and he's like this kind of queer art kid and Angela and Ricky both really fancy him <laughs> and neither of them yeah and like it's not quite clear to the audience you know but he's just this like super outsider cool art kid um which again is just really nice that they both fancy this guy and yeah but in my mind I think Angela's bisexual I probably because I identify with her myself mm. but like I sort of yeah I feel like she doesn't ever really she fancies Jordan because who wouldn't yes I mean like everyone <laughs> would. like he's the most beautiful creature but you know I just feel like she's just bisexual coded I mean <laughs> she's like all her poetry <laughs> and, <laughs> and she doesn't ever really yeah she just yeah she, yeah she, I can I can see that she's definitely I, I describe her as her as goth curious, which yeah. I think is is, is the gateway j- drug to bisexuality. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, like she's got that, yeah, that. And I, I think the thing that I did really like about it as well, like as as much as some of the fashion is incredibly nineties, like they feel like things that they feel like real kids like mm. she dresses like that girl would dress I think and not I don't know because I'm watching Euphoria at the minute which I really love and I think you know something that just does owe a little bit to a show like this but that exists in its own sort of mad music video fantasy world where mm. everyone dresses like a model fashionista and I just yeah, it's nice to see. Yeah, they're not models, none of them. I mean, mm. the thing is, Claire is a really pretty woman, obviously like a beautiful woman, but she's beautiful in a way she could exist in your life. Yes. Like, and, you know, they have an episode with a spot. They're all the age, I think they're all pretty much the age that they're playing or even younger than the age mm. that they're playing, which again, the teen show is rare. So they do kind of look right. They're like, and that's really nice. They're not models. And the clothes that they wear is kind of very much the clothes that I wore, wanted to wear. I love this really, there was like a really little bit where the, um, it's just sort of set up for a scene, I think, but the the little sister is like, that she wants to wear lipstick outside the house, <laughs> being, like, <laughs> being like a concern that you would have just feels very, it just feels very true. And I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, it feels, I mean, I hate, you know, 
this word authored, but it does, the whole show does feel very authored again, in a way, I think it's not a writer's room, I think it is made, I don't know if it was, but it was Winnie Holtzman mm. created it, and I think wrote most of it, I'm not, I should check that, but it feels very much like the product of one person's mind. And and in the same way, and in that way, sometimes it's not as snappy and sometimes, you know, mm. it, thoughts are let, let to carry on. Interestingly, only two episodes, I think, are, are narrated by other people other than Angela. Oh. And one is the little sister, Danielle, gets an episode where she narrates it. And one is Brian Krakow, who's the kind of incelly creep. <laughs> <laughs> He's not to be like that. But now looking at it, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> it's like Angela and kind of like kind of quite bitter quite a funny character because he's quite bitter and mm. and very much older than his years you know and I can't stand Jordan Catalano because he's just gorgeous and like Angela <laughs> loves him um but he gets an episode as well but yeah but I didn't realize only today when I googled her Winnie Hilsman wrote Wicked she wrote the book for Wicked oh I didn't know that either that's a real she is a gay, she's a gay icon as well that's nominated nominated nominative determinism as well being called Winnie and writing something about oh, yeah! <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. love it, love it. <laughs> oh, one of the things I really liked about this as well was the music like it it's I think yeah. it's scored like it seems to have its own sort of proper music score and it it's not pulling in all 90s hits and stuff like that which it feels mm-hmm. yeah it just it sort of elevates it, I think. And there's um there's a really brilliant episode, really good episode where she goes to see the frozen embryos play mm. practice, and um they have brilliant details. Like they always have this guy called Tino that you never see. So everyone's <laughs> like Tino's like the cool kid who's in the band. You never see him, um and he's the reason Ryan and Jordan know each other. But through Tino, yeah, we know each other through Tino. <laughs> and um they go and watch their band um rehearse, and he sings this song called Red. I'm sorry to spoil it you, but I have to for this purposes. He sings a song called Red. I can even remember the song because you were going nowhere, going nowhere fast. He sings a song <laughs> called Red and it's like really rings true as a 90s mm. song. She thinks it's about her and it's like the most romantic moment oh, wow. of all time. Can you imagine going to see this guy that you fancy <laughs> and he sings a song called Red and she's just like her hair red and she's like, this is it. Like, you know, Disney fantasy life. And then she finds out it's about his car. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. I know. <laughs> it's just perfect, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you didn't like in this episode? Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of it does feel very dated and slow and, you know, yes, and the stuff about the father and the restaurant and all that stuff. I mean, I don't care mm. about that man opening restaurant <laughs> or not. I do not care. But generally, no, I mean, I really do. I really do like it. And even though it might seem now slightly cliched, you know, the, the queer kid getting chunk, you know, mm. it's really true. It's still true. Yeah. And it was especially true then. Yeah, I mean, you could really, you know, you know, if you were going to substitute Ricky for a trans kid, mm. Example, this episode could play now, really. You know, I mean, in a lot of ways. Do you know though? I think this episode could play now with a gay kid. Like, I think yeah, it, it's no, so. Gosh. It it still really rings true. I think it's uh, yeah. I, I I am impressed by. I, it. I was thinking more about the teachers, you know. Mm. So like as well because you know if it, if it, if it was a trans teacher, for example, mm. they would be so wary about encouraging. Or wow, yes. connecting with a trans kid, yeah, because of, you know, they'd be so, you know, mm. all the things people would say about them, influencing them or even grooming them or, you know. Like all the things that people used to say about gay people, as if this yeah. is just like a, a weird... <laughs> 
it's just rehashed. Yeah, I know. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Oh, let's yeah. not think about those people. <laughs> no, let's not. You've already talked about kind of what this what makes this a very special episode for you, but is there a particular scene or a, a theme that resonates with you? I think it's just I mean, as a writer, I think I'm always as a writer, <laughs> I think I'm just always I always like the fact that the characters don't do what you think they're gonna do and they don't do I love the contradictions of the characters, you know, like Sharon is trying to dump her boyfriend but you know she's meant to be like a really nerdy boring character mm. but she but she can't because he's too fit and, she <laughs> and then and then you know and I think I think for me the real thrilling moment is when the teacher opens the door at the end and for Ricky the first time to see possibly the first time in his life mm. to be too happy successful gay men who are you know middle-aged yeah yeah no I think that that is it really isn't it it's beautiful it's so warm and lovely that house it's really beautiful yeah mm, mm. oh i really enjoyed that i'm gonna go and watch i'm gonna walk, go and watch them all well wait for my dvds to <laughs> oh, please DVD. do. I watch them as well. it's so lovely yeah yeah it's um yeah. i had to watch it on like daily motion probably cut this bit oh, out <laughs> yes backwards. yeah backwards and, oh, God. <laughs> it was very peculiar but no that's a that was a, a lovely episode to watch thank you so much for chatting with us today with us oh, again i'm saying with you. us with with me <laughs> the only person who is here thank you so much thank you Ah, <laughs> oh, that was great and, oh and and where where i always ask where can people find you and where do you care to be found probably twitter is my maybe quite good amy c mason on twitter mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, definitely worth a follow, I think, for people. <laughs> a great, a good, twi- a, a great Twitter presence <laughs> and a lot of um, uh, unfiltered thoughts. That's the ones that you want thank to be you. on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And there we go. Uh, another episode in the can. Uh, as I said last week, the, the the episodes of this series were recorded earlier this year in kind of January and February of 2022. So that some of the stuff we talked about is a little bit less buzzy than maybe it would usually be, but I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot of really useful and good chat in there. My very special guest next week will be author Chris McCrudden, who I talked to about the very first episode of Ab Fab, which I was able to watch on BBC iPlayer here in the UK, but I'm sure it's reasonably easy to to watch elsewhere. Think think you can watch it on Netflix in the US. Um, So yeah, definitely tune in to that. And in the meantime, don't touch those dials.